Good morning and welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday service. We meet every Sunday morning in person and online at 10.30 a.m. We also have small groups that meet throughout the week and we have a teaching podcast called the 20-Minute Bible Study. Audio versions of this service and all of our online offerings are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You just have to search Faith on Hill. Uh, We also have video versions on our website, faithonhill.com, and on our Facebook page, as well as uh, other uh, online media stuff is put out on our Facebook page. Our social media is at Faith on Hill for just about everything that we're on. A few announcements. So this Sunday morning is the first Sunday morning where you can be in person and maskless, provided that you can document that you have been fully vaccinated. Uh, When the CDC and the state began to change the guidance, um, the leadership started discussing it, and the word that I kept hearing from our leaders was, be consistent. So we have decided to be consistent. We have followed the CDC and state health guidelines uh, as best we could for this last year. And uh, whether we've agreed with it or not, we've tried to follow it. So uh, we are going to follow it. We believe in the science of vaccines. Um, and uh, it's weird. I, I started going, uh, I, we went hiking last week and uh, we were out at uh, Tryon Creek State Park and I was walking around without a mask on because... I'm fully vaccinated. I don't have to anymore. Um, now I still carry a mask in my pocket, you know, just because, uh, you know, I've got one right now. I get, you know, here's my little mask, you know, but, uh, I, I you know, I want to make people comfortable and all that. But, uh, so if you, uh, can text a photo or email a photo or just show a f- uh, your actual vaccine card to Janelle centers and, uh, we're only going to check it once and then you're welcome to, uh, be in person without a mask. Now, if you still want to wear a mask, Nobody's going to make you feel bad about it. Um, Like I said, I went out recently hiking and I didn't have a mask on and it felt weird. And so I know for some people, it's just going to take some time to get used to it. Totally fine. Um, The plan going forward is uh, starting this Sunday, you can be maskless if you're vaccinated. Uh, We are going to have church in the field again in July. And then, um, and I'm excited for that, by the way, because we're not just going to have church in the field, but we'll probably have some barbecues and some good times together. And then after that, we're going to, when we go back inside, we're going to restart kids' church. Uh, what we've been doing with the kids is we've had our kids' area in the fellowship hall, and it's been sort of a, a place where we have toys and games and activities. Uh, we've had the sealed, prepackaged uh, stuff for the kids that have crayons and coloring sheets and a, a prepackaged snack, and we'll still have that. Um, but starting after church in the field, we're going to restart kids' church church with some more guided instruction. And um, the, the way I see it is everyone who would reasonably expect to be in our church and help out with kids' church, and I don't mean like John, nobody's thinking John Larson, uh, you know, but, but people who reasonably would be expected to help out with the kids' church, uh, we can get it to once every two months, a, a once every two month commitment. Uh, in fact, I myself, uh, so that I'm, you know, I'm, I've got skin in the game, my kids are there, so I will be back there once every two months helping out as well. Um, So that's what's going on. Also, we are still doing food donations for Wichita Family Center. Uh, So if you have food donations, even if you're not coming to our in-person service, but you just want to message me and you can drop it off at the church, um, every time the barrel fills up, we take a load down there. And so um, 
It's a way that we are being part of, actively part of helping in our community. Uh, so that's it. That's the announcements. Uh, Wichita Family Center food drive. And starting this Sunday, if you're fully vaccinated and you can document it, then in person you can be maskless. Uh, if you have a Bible, open to the book of 1 John chapter 2. We're going to continue our study. And before we do, I do want to acknowledge and remember that uh, this is Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow, um, we all have days off. Um, you know, the thing about Memorial Day is it's remembering those who aren't here with us anymore. And so it's not like you can have them stand up and, and be honored in church like you can on Veterans Day. Um, and we're so thankful and appreciative of the veterans that we have in our church. Um, but I, I think it's good to take a moment uh, with our kids, our grandkids, and remember and reflect on those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And so uh, we want to remember, and if you represent a, someone who has fallen, uh, we, we remember them and we honor them. So uh, I think that's a good encouragement for us on this Memorial Day weekend as we study God's Word together. If you have a Bible, open to the book of 1 John chapter 2. Uh, we have a couple verses we're going to look at this morning, starting in verse 15, where John writes, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This is God's word. For some, it'll be easy to accept what was said here. For others, we'll have to work through it. But I trust that God, by his grace, will give us the ability as we surrender to him to process what he has to say to us this morning. The big idea of this series is Christian living. How, as Christians, are we supposed to live in this world? Uh, in our last book we studied, the book of Daniel, we talked about how to live as exiles. And in 1 John, we're talking how to live um, specifically as New Testament believers. And a lot of that has to do with an inward focus. How do we live towards each other? But in these verses, John talks about an outward focus. How do we live in relationship to the world around us? John says there is a war going on for our hearts. There is a war going on for our hearts. Uh, I'll read it again. Do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world. The love of the Father is not in them. There is a war between loving God and loving the world. And he says the world or anything in it. Because you could see if he just says the world and somebody would say, well, yeah, I, I know that this world's not my home and I'm, I'm looking for uh, eternity. But then he qu qualifies it. Anything in it. Now, if you've read other parts of the Bible, you might have a question about this. Because this is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, who wrote the most famous verse in the whole Bible. John chapter 3, verse 16, that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in Jesus will not die, but will have everlasting life. 
So the same John who wrote, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, is now the same John who's writing, do not love the world or anything in it. Anyone who loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. That seems to be contradictory. Let's unpack this just a little bit. The first question I had when I read these verses getting ready for this sermon this last week was, is he talking about the same word for the world? Because all I have is the English translation. So I went and picked up my Greek lexicon. And it's not hard. Uh, you can get a Greek lexicon real easy on Amazon. Um, you can get Strong's Greek Concordance. You can go on blueletterbible.org. Um, and for every verse of the Bible, they'll tell you what the Greek or the Hebrew word is. And I looked it up, and it's the same word, cosmos. The word cosmos is used for God so loved the cosmos world that he gave his only son. Do not love the cosmos world or anything in the cosmos world. He's using the same word. And this word cosmos doesn't just mean the earth, but it means the, the order of things. Uh, the, this present order, um, not just the physical world, but our, our social structures, our, our politics, our, our nation, our, our, it, it's very expansive. It can also mean nature. It can also mean, you know, um, natural things, not just human invented things. But he uses the same word. And the only thing I can come to is this, that God really does love the sinner and hate the sin. God really does love the world. And yet, if I love the world, I'm not loving God. What happens with love the sinner, hate the sin, is that two types of people tend to grab hold of this. Either somebody who loves the sinner and doesn't really want to hate the sin, but it's like a way of uh, obfuscating. Hey, I will, I'm just loving the sinner, but I don't want to deal with the truth of sin. And, and there are a lot of people who do that because they want to be permissive or passive towards unrighteousness. And at the same time, there will be others who say, oh, love the sinner, hate, but hate the sin because they really just want to hate the sinner too. And I've met people on both sides who seem to be kind of have both agendas. I'll say this. Everyone has limited bandwidth. What do I mean by that? Limited bandwidth. Imagine a pipe. And some pipes are really small and only, you know, a little bit can get through. And some pipes are bigger and some pipes are really big. And, they, you know, there's, there's pipes where um, if you get a little pipe and a lot of water going through, there's an incredible amount of pressure. But if you put the same amount of water through a large culvert, like on a drainage ditch, it would just be a little stream of water because the pressure wouldn't be there. Every single one of us have limited bandwidth in our lives, in our hearts, it's not infinite amount of space. So if I'm filling up my world with the love of the world, I am inherently pushing God out. I'm inherently forcing out the things of God. Does that mean that I can't go out and, and have a hike and enjoy nature because John says don't love the world? Of course not. God created the world. 
does that mean that I can't enjoy, I love baseball, right? Does that mean I can't sit down and watch a baseball game? No, I don't think so at all. In fact, God designed humanity to rest, and baseball is a pastime. It is a restful thing for me to sit down after a, after a day, and the kids have gone to bed, and I just we turn on the baseball game. I love that. But you know, there's a difference between enjoying something as God gave humanity the ability to create, as God gave humanity the ability to design, There's a difference between enjoying something and and giving worship to it. I I remember, I've been to certain concerts. I've seen some pretty big bands over the years. And uh, in fact, my last day of high school, I grew up in Seattle, but I I spent my last day of, of high school here in Portland because all I had to do my last day was turn in an English paper. And I did that first thing. I went and turned in the English paper and then my friends and I got in a car and we drove down to Portland to see the Smashing Pumpkins uh, over at Keller Auditorium. And um, I remember there was, a, there was just a noticeable difference. Like we were there, we're enjoying the music and then there were people, I remember this one guy very distinctly, this one guy who was a couple of rows over and, and it was something I could only say that I had seen at church. It was worshipful. Let me give you another example. Um, There's a difference between, for example, uh, Jesus and his followers were in Jerusalem, and as they were leaving the temple, one of Jesus' followers said, Master, look at this building. It's just magnificent. And Jesus looks at him and says, I'm going to tell you the truth. Not one stone will be left on another. And he was right. Just a few decades later, in 70 AD, the Roman legion sacked Jerusalem and the temple was torn down. And you go to Jerusalem now and there is nothing but ruins. This greatest single accomplishment of their culture. It's their greatest architectural accomplishment. It's the embodiment of their um, artistic achievement of their uh, cultural achievement of their technological achievement of their wealth everything is poured into this temple and jesus says it's going to be gone we only have so much bandwidth what do we fill our hearts with there is a war for our hearts you see the enemy of our souls satan and his followers. The enemy has two goals because he hates God. He hates God and he hates everything that God loves. If God loves it, he hates it. If God loves it, the demons want to destroy it. And so the first goal of our enemy is to keep people from salvation. The devil knows his fate. The demons know their fate. They know what's coming for them. Their fate's sealed people's fate is not. Until you die, you have the chance to choose Jesus. So the enemy's first goal is to keep people from salvation. The enemy does not want people to be saved. But the second goal is to keep people from sanctification. And sanctification is one of those two big church words that I think every Christian should know. The first one is justification. That's being saved. When I place my faith in Jesus, I am justified. I am made right before God because of Jesus. And so are you if you place your faith in Jesus. 
Sanctification is this big word that means to be set apart. It's the process by which we are set apart and made like Jesus. We're learning and growing and becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And if you or I place saving faith in Jesus, well, the enemy can't take that away. But what can you do next? The second goal becomes, let's keep them from sanctification. If I don't want somebody to be more like Jesus, because I don't like Jesus, that, that, I, I don't like is a, far too light of a word. He hates Jesus. So the goal is to keep you and me from sanctification. Have you ever noticed that Sunday morning is the hardest time to wake up? The kids act up the worst? All of these things are true. I don't believe that the enemy wants people in church. You could read a book for hours, but you try to read your Bible, and it's a fight sometimes. Because not just the enemy, but our own flesh doesn't want to read and grow. It wants the bandwidth filled up with this world and not with God. So there's a war going on for our hearts. And John is saying, little children, and remember, he, he, wrote you la- he wrote last week and he says, I write to you to your children because your sins have been forgiven. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. And he's saying, because you've overcome, because your sins have been forgiven, because you know him who is from the beginning, don't love this world. Why? Because it is dying. It's passing away. So John says there's a war for our hearts, verse 15. And then in verse 16, he gives the face of the enemy. I tell you the truth. I believe that if you polled most Christians in America about what is the biggest cause of the rising evil, unrighteousness in our country, they would start to list whatever it is for them, but it would be something other. What John is saying is the face of the enemy might just be the face that we see when we look in the mirror. He says, verse 16, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but the world. The lust of whose flesh? Mine. The lust of whose eyes? Mine. The pride of whose life? Mine. The biggest threat to our holiness. The biggest threat to our righteous living before God is it's not the gays. It's not the other political party. It's it's not the uh, whoever you think is, is the threat. It's you. It's me. It's us. It's ourselves. The flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. That's the core root of most sins when you think about it. It's either something that's fulfilling me physically or something that's fulfilling a selfish desire or something that's fulfilling me the pride of life emotionally. So many people get stuck in life-dominating sins and and you say, what is it? And you find out that there is some emotional need that they are trying to have met, the pride of life. There is some selfish desire that they're trying to have met the lust of the eyes. There is some physical gratification that they're trying to have met, the lust of the flesh. Uh, James 
Kaufman, who's a, a fairly well-known Bible commentator, he notes that the fruit of the knowledge of the good and evil, like way back in the Garden of Eden, God said you could eat from any tree in the garden except the fruit that comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what is it that it says about that tree in Genesis? It says that it was good to eat, lust of the flesh. It was pleasing to the eye, lust of the eyes. And it would make one wise, the pride of life. And so many things that we as humans wrestle with come back to those three basic factors. I'm trying to please myself physically. I'm trying to please myself emotionally. I'm trying to, I believe somehow that God is holding out on me. That there's some knowledge that I want that God just doesn't want me to have that good time. The face of the enemy is us. Do we believe that Jesus can save us completely? I do. So the choice that we have is to do what Jesus said. If anyone would follow me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross. Taking up your cross is this thing Christians say, and we, we don't have the same impact that it would have had to the original audience. The cross was a death sentence. In our day, we might say, stand before the firing squad. Pick up the needle for the lethal injection. Pick up the noose for your hangman's rope. Deny yourself, die to yourself, and follow Jesus. How do we do that? I believe a key component to this is embracing the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, Equally God with God the Father and God the Son. And it's through the power of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, in your life. I, have, I, I could sit there and I could say, I'm just going to really become disciplined and I'm going to grow and I'm going to just try harder to be the best version of myself. I'm going to fail. But if I have the power the word that the, the scripture uses for the power of the Holy Spirit is dunamos. It's where we get our word dynamite from. The explosive dynamite power of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. It's game changing. There's a war for our hearts. And if I'm trying to fight that war, if you're trying to fight that war in my own strength or in your own strength, good luck. But if we fight the war with the power of God, game changer, total game changer. John says, don't love this world. Why? In verse 17, he gives the answer. The world and its desires pass away. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. There is a growing trend among my age in, in church leadership to downplay heaven. It, you can see this. I understand part of the reasoning, but, but hear me out. The growing trend among church leaders in America around my age is to downplay heaven. And the reason is that some parts of the church 
in previous decades have downplayed the here and now. And they haven't cared about the world around us. They haven't cared uh, about uh, the condition of the poor and the needy, the widow, the orphan. They haven't cared about the environment. All of these things, I get it. So the response from some church leaders in my generation has been to downplay eternity and focus on the here and now. But, but here's the truth. How long are any of us going to live? Right? Uh, Winnie McCord, who was part of our church since the beginning, really, you know, uh, she lived, there was actual disagreement, like was she 101, 102? There was some disagreement about what year she was born. But that's the max. My, my great-grandmother lived just two weeks shy of her 102nd birthday. But that's the max. How many years do you have? For most people, it's far less than Winnie or my great-grandma. And then there's eternity, which is so big and vast, we can't even comprehend it. And so what John is saying is, you can put all of your love, all of your heart, all of your effort and energy into pleasing your own desires and, and giving in to the world's desires, or you can give yourself to the things that last, the things that are eternal, the things that will never fade away. Jesus, our Lord, he said, store up for yourself treasure in heaven. If your treasure is on earth, that's where your heart will be. You could get all the money in the world. You could get all the fame in the world. And then what happens? Then what happens? I know some very famous people. But then what happens? I know some very successful people then what happens? I know some very rich people, but then what happens? You could have everything stored in this world. You could reach the very heights of success or power or fame. And it's all gone for eternity. I'm not meaning that to scare anybody, but it is a good reality check. What really matters? John compares, he says, there's the way of this world and there's the will of God. I can choose every day to walk in the ways of this world or I can choose to walk in the way of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you can make that choice, but you just got to know. The world is passing away, but those who do the will of God live forever. American Christianity likes to emphasize the prayer. If you pray to prayer, then you're saved. What I see in the Bible over and over is faithful commitment. Am I saved? I believe I am. But if I am, it's going to show. We confirm our salvation as we conform to Christ. I'm not trying to just make a clever twist of phrase. I, I want it to be memorable so that it, it gets in our brains. We confirm our salvation as we conform to Christ. What do I mean by that? I don't know if a person's saved or not. God knows. That person knows. I don't know. But I know this. If Jesus is really in my heart, it should show. It should show. And it should confirm and, and, it, and it should not be a question mark. 
oh, I hope that nobody ever goes, I'm not sure about Adam. I've done a lot of funerals over the years. And it's always tragic when somebody says, you know, they were, they were great, but I'm not sure where they are in eternity. It's like Choose Your Own Adventure. I don't know if you ever read those books. When I was a kid, Choose Your Own Adventure books were very popular. And, you know, if you want to go down this door, turn to page 20. If you want to go down the scary haunted hallway, go to page 45. Well, what would you do as a kid? You'd stick your finger to mark the page you were at, and then you go see, oh, what happens if I go down the scary haunted hallway? Oh, the crazy murderer is there and I die. Okay, go back. What happens if I go through that door, page 20? Oh, okay, I still am alive. I'm going to do that. John's kind of doing that. Here's the choices. You choose. I didn't give up my free will when I became a Christian. Neither did you. And if you're not a Christian, you have a free will choice. You have agency. Jesus is calling out to you and you have choice. Do I respond to him or do I continue to be dominated by, by sin and rebellion to God? And then we're set free when we place our faith in Jesus. Our chains, our bondage is broken, but then we have to choose to get up off the ground and walk out of the prison cell we've been in. We have to choose to, the, it's, it's like, imagine that you were, you were handcuffed and all of a sudden they're unlocked, but you have to choose to get them off and then to use your hands. We choose the will of God or we choose the way of the world. And so as Christians, I'm thankful for the world. I, I, I believe God loves this world, so I want to have the love God has for it. I believe that God created a world that is beautiful, and so I want to enjoy the beauty in it. I, I believe that God created a, a humanity with the ability in his image to create and design, and so I enjoy many of the things that we've created. But I know it's passing away, and I don't want to leave my heart here. I want to store my treasures in heaven where they will not fail, where they will not fade instead of storing them on earth where rust and moss and moth and time and just everything gets destroyed. I want lasting life. And I want that for you. And I know that God does too. We're going to enter into a time of responding to God as he's been speaking to us. I hope you know that this is not a judgmental word to, any, to anyone. This is a, a, a hopeful message Anyone who is not a Christian, this is a hopeful message that you have a choice to walk away from the darkness and enter into the light of God. For those of us who are in the light of God, who are believers, this is a hopeful reminder that we can choose the way, the will of God, and we can walk away from this world that's passing away. America will fade. The Seattle Mariners will stop being a thing at some point. But the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven will never pass away. And Jesus will rule and reign in his glory and his love and his peace forever and ever. Let's pray together. Hey, well, like we do every Sunday morning, we want to respond to what God has been speaking to us. We believe that we worship God through the reading and the hearing of his word. 
but we also believe that we worship God in response to who he is and what he is doing and has done in our lives. And so in person, we respond primarily through singing. Uh, Both in person and online, we respond through giving. And online, you can give at the Faith on Hill website, faithonhill.com. But we also respond in prayer. And we believe that God hears our prayers and that our prayers are powerful weapons in the spiritual war that we are in. I'd invite you right now, wherever you're at, to enter a posture of prayer, whether that's standing or sitting, eyes opened, eyes closed, hands folded, hands raised. Enter a posture of prayer and feel free and, and able to hit the pause button. If you just need to pour out more to God and, and speak out more in prayer uh, than, than we have time for here, uh, it's great. Hit the pause button and keep going and then unpause and you can catch it back up with us. But let's enter together a posture of prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy, holy, holy is your name. We pray that your kingdom would come and your will, as we, as we read in your word this morning, your will would be done in our hearts, in our lives, as it is in heaven. Your will would be done. And what I would invite right now is wherever you know that God's will needs to be done in your life, speak it forward, speak it out. And Lord, I pray that you would do your will in my heart. Where there has been fear, I pray that you would replace it with faith. Where there has been timidity, I pray you would replace it with boldness. Where there has been frustration, I pray that you would replace it with patience and peace. Lord, this year of sorrows, I pray that you would replace with rejoicing. Now I invite us to reflect on the week that has been behind us. Lord, help us to be aware of how we have felt or how we have thought about the last week, during the last week. Help us to be aware of how we have acted during this time. And Lord, the good, we rejoice in you. The bad, we surrender to you. And invite us now to think about this last week and identify something we are grateful for, something we are thankful for. Whether you type it in the chat, whether you say it out loud, let's identify that together in prayer. Father, thank you for my children, for my wife, for my church family. Thank you, Lord. And as we ponder the week ahead, what's coming through work, what's coming through responsibilities, what's coming through activities, what's coming through a day of pausing and remembering and probably also barbecuing and and spending time with our loved ones. We just pray that you would prepare us for the work that you would have us do this week. We ask that you would make that work clear to us and equip us to do it. Thank you, Jesus, that you work and you move and you aren't finished with us and you're still making us and molding us to be like you. And that is perfect. And that is better. We praise you for that work. 
pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. God bless you. May the grace and the peace and the mercy of God be with you and upon you and over you and around you as you follow Jesus this week.